can I talk to the listener that might say, well, crap, I can't do this because I don't have money or I don't have time. That was me when I got started in 2016, that first land deal for $285. I'm embarrassed to say it, but I didn't have the money either. Like I had to like have a buyer lined up because I was like, I can't get stuck with this land. If I leave $285 into this land, I might not be able to afford diapers next week. It was, that's how it was. But you don't need money to buy real estate. You do not need money to become a multimillionaire in real estate investing. You found the Real Estate Law Podcast because real estate is more than just pretty pictures and law goes well beyond paperwork and courtroom arguments. If you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. Thanks again for listening to another episode. We hope that you'll enjoy this one. Uh, we have a repeat guest, Rory, for the first time. Besides you and I, we have welcomed somebody back onto the podcast because we had such an excellent discussion with Brent Bowers during episode number 55 last year. We had to do an update. So we have our first turning contestant today. And you know, for those of you who are real estate investors, kind of stuck in this market, um, not finding creative options to, to get involved. We wanted to bring Brent back to discuss investing in land um, and ways that you can make that profitable and cash flowing asset. So yep. Jason, and can you remind our listeners? Yes, I will reintroduce Brent. Brent is with Land Sharks. Brent used to work with Wholesaling Inc., right? I do. Yeah. You know what? A friend of ours was at a conference that you guys did recently, right? Where was that? Florida? Yeah. It was in Tempe, Arizona. And yeah, I spoke on the last day. They saved the best for the last. <laughs> yeah, I saw you were on the main stage. I was I was messaging her saying, hey, did you see Brent Bowers down there? He's been on the podcast. We have him coming up again. And she's like, Brent, he's one of the big speakers at this conference. So Brent, we'd like to welcome you back to the Real Estate Law Podcast. Thank you for coming back. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. I had such a good time with you guys last year. So I'm so happy to see your faces again. Yeah. Hey, you got to show us the rhino. Right the rhino. You. There's there's the rhino. Yeah, I love the rhino last time. I think you mentioned something about you know, rhino has to keep charging forward instead of a, a cow that just kind of sits there and starts eating, right? You got a good memory, Jason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Brent is an expert in purchasing land, all right? You know, we've talked about infill lots. We've talked about buying land. Brent had a strategy last year where you're also a coach on, you know, you teach a lot of people how to do this. You've partnered up with your students. Some of the beauty of your system is that it leads to annuities where you're collecting money on a passive level that allows you to take you know, time off if you want to. You just mentioned off camera that you're going to be taking six weeks going to Costa Rica, which sounds fantastic. But a lot has changed in the past year. You know, interest rates have, have shot up and stayed up since we last spoke. For us, for Rory and I, I remember filming this in our temporary housing in Boston a year ago. We've since moved to Newburyport. I've left my job. And we purchased, yeah, I know, right? Well, it wasn't my choice, but it's okay because it was going to happen a couple months later anyway. And what we did is we purchased some more short-term rentals. Uh, we launched another short-term rental on that land we talked about. On the last podcast, we were talking about buying some land in New Hampshire. I re-listened to it and there was only a foundation on that land when we recorded. Well, you know, fast forward to today, there's a gorgeous house there that is getting booked a lot on Airbnb and Verbo. And we love staying in that house too, so... A lot's been happening on our side. Brent, what's been happening on your side? Man, I just want to ring the victory bell for you guys because that's a bunch of accomplishments. I remember the, the house you guys were in. Uh, so amazing kudos for you. You guys are taking action. Like It's a lot of work recording these episodes. 
just being in law. I can't even, I mean, I just, all the stuff you guys are accomplishing. So, oh, uh, we got the bill. <laughs> Hope I didn't blow anybody's eardrums with that. But, you know, what's been happening with me is, you know, business is always evolving. It's always growing or dying. You know, I, my team has shrank. It has absolutely shrank in the past eight months. Uh, the interest rates rising were the best thing that could have ever happened for my company. One of the major shifts that we did was we started doing more land in higher demand areas as well as more expensive land. And let me tell you what that gave us is one, higher profits, two, lower volume, three, smaller team, because I don't have to pay someone to post these cheaper land deals that we sell. And they've been incredible. I will not knock them because they gave me the confidence to get this started back in 2016. I did a $285 land deal, sold it for five grand and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. But here's the thing. Realtors don't really want to touch those $5,000 parcels because they don't make any money on that, but they're glad to sell a $50,000 parcel for you, a $100,000 parcel, a $150,000 parcel. So I have realtors now selling these parcels of land. And in essence, it's allowing me to leverage their skill, their marketing abilities, their subscriptions to all these websites that I was paying thousands of dollars a month to. One may be more profitable. It's two allowed me to not have as big of a team, payroll, less phone calls. So that's some of the changes. And I'd love to talk about how we're breaking that down, how how other sharks, my my, my shark community, the land sharks is accomplishing that. Rhino and sharks, it might get a little confusing. Rhino Nation is wholesaling ink. The land sharks are, we call them the sharks. You guys know what a shiver is? It's a group of sharks. <laughs> no way. I didn't know that. That's a big shift. And I'm not surprised that you're making that shift either. In the world that we're in, where another thing we've done in the past years is I joined a mastermind group for short-term rental operators. A lot of co-hosts are in that group, you know, where they're basically looking to make money managing the properties. Um, and it's the same mindset where they'd rather have fewer properties that make more than a ton of properties where it's just incremental revenue, you know, one step at a time. And it's easier said than done. But strategically, I think that that group and you are kind of converging on a very similar strategy, which is the bigger deals, probably just as easy to manage as the smaller ones, but the numbers are just bigger. Yeah. It takes the same amount of time to make $100,000 net profit on one deal as it is to make five, ten, eight thousand dollars $8,000 net profit. So has that changed your geographic focus? Yes. Geography has changed a little bit. And I've also, you know, last time we spoke, I was in Florida as well. We had recently moved to Florida last time I spoke to you, but now I'm really trying to focus heavily on Florida. There's a couple other places working in as well because other wholesalers, other house wholesalers are bringing me land deals now. Realtors are bringing me land deals. And guys, these are like free leads. The key performance indicators on these are just skyrocketing through the roof. Now, for every land offer letter I send out, every per basically it's a purchase agreement, the, the LOL, um, I think we actually offered that to your uh, community last time at the landsharks.com forward slash LOL as a land offer letter. Every one of those that I send out, I make about $4.83 back. So it costs me 82 cents to send that letter, but I get $4.83 back. So yeah, ching, like it, it works. If I want to make more money, 
more gross revenue, I send more of those out. And it's also a psychology thing. Sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more, but that's the average overall that we're sending out. But I mean, even a year ago, I was sometimes afraid to send them out. Like, oh man, do I want to send out to this area? It's going to be, you know, about a thousand dollars in letters. But when I started looking at it differently, that I make $4.83 to send every one of these out, it made sending them a lot easier. Yeah. Send them all day long if you're going to keep making money that way. Are you still doing the arbitrage on these deals where you're basically getting it under contract, you're paying monthly in many situations to the people you're buying it from, and then you're, you know, you're finding a buyer, you're collecting a higher monthly fee, and then, you know, the difference is basically what you're earning. I love that you asked me that question, Jason, because I just got a letter of intent this morning for a property just like that. We have a seller. He's selling us a piece of land. He's given us six months to find my buyer, six months, and he's allowing me to market it all over the MLS. My realtor's already listed it. Our purchase agreement allows us to do that. We don't even own it yet. And we just found our buyer that's made us an offer for $230,000. And here's how it's going to work. The seller is allowing me to put a small down payment and he's going to allow me to pay him monthly for 15 years for this property. My buyer is going to do a larger down payment to cover my down payment, to cover my realtor fees and closing costs and still give us a little bit of cash in the very beginning. So immediate profit and forever profitable. So my buyer is also going to pay me for 30 years. Now, will it go that long? Probably not because he's going to add fill dirt, he's going to build roads, and he's probably going to pay it off with a bank loan, but he's going to pay us 12% interest. So his purchase price is 230 Our purchase price is 149 Right. When you're making these contracts with where you have your own seller and your own buyer, how transparent are you with your end buyer about the terms you have with the seller? Are they fully aware of the arbitrage? Are they fully aware of your profit? How does that work? Yeah. So I don't really tell my end buyer that basically they know I'm under contract to buy it, but I don't tell my end buyer what my terms are with the seller because at it's a simultaneous closing. So it's a sandwich. It's basically a wrap around mortgage. So I am the owner of the land and the buyer is paying me. I'm paying the seller that did the seller carry back. Basically the seller became the bank and I'm becoming the bank at the same time. So if my buyer defaults and doesn't pay, I literally have to foreclose, but I also still owe that seller. Like I'm still on the line for it. And, you know, if I could sell it once, I could sell it again. Yeah. Are the interest rates the same? You're getting 12% on what you're selling. What would you be paying on something like that? For I, It's a 15-year term and a 30-year amortized term, yeah. right? So there's that difference too. Exactly. Sometimes I get uh, sellers that just want a higher payment and they're willing to do principal payments, aka 0% interest. Um, that particular deal, I'm paying 5% interest. Um, I've paid sellers up to 9% interest. Um, so it's that positive arbitrage you already talked about, Jason. I'm paying 5% interest on a lower amount, which is 140 or 149,000. And my buyer is paying 12% interest on 230,000. So there's about $1,100 a month difference. I'm collecting 2,200 a month. I'm paying 1,000 a month. We'll be right back. Every other real estate rental property deal analysis spreadsheet is wrong. The only spreadsheet that correctly analyzes your real estate deals taking into account reserves, true cash flow, including depreciation, and your true net equity on a property is the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet, 
from the Real Estate Financial Planner. Download a free copy today and finally start analyzing your rental properties correctly. Go to refp.info forward slash free to download it today. I love this conversation, Rory. I mean, we were just talking yesterday about subject to deals, right? Because, you know, Rory's kind of diving down that that space a little bit. And he's also working with some clients right now where there's just no no housing inventory here in the Northeast. It's even worse now than a year ago. Interest rates go up and nobody wants to sell anything. And then the prices keep going up anyway. And then there's investors like us that are scratching our heads saying, what do we do next? Like, you know, how are we going to be out there making some money beyond the portfolio that we have? Because the portfolio that we have is fine. Unless we want big growth, we're just taking the incremental growth on optimizing our current portfolio better. And I think that's only going to go a little bit further down the line until we get a little bit antsy and want, you know, the next big thing. Yeah. So Rory, listening to this, our conversation yesterday, like, tell us your opinion as a real estate professional about things like this, that people who are listening should be evaluating as a way to be making money in today's market. Well, first and foremost, you know, I don't want to date this too much, but we are talking in the second quarter of 2023 and, you know, good deals for investors are just incredibly difficult to come by. If you're banking on sort of the the 2012 model property where you would buy something and then it would instantly cash flow, you're really not going to find that in most parts of the country. So to find a good profitable deal, it takes a little bit of creativity. And that's what hopefully bringing to our listeners um, with Brent and some other guests is different avenues where you can invest um, even in this market. And what I like about this conversation about land is one I have a lot less familiarity with um, land transactions than I do with um, residential transactions. So so I'm learning and discovering new ideas. But this is an opportunity for people to look around, even in metropolitan areas. I mean, when, you know, hopefully that the title of this episode talking about land doesn't make people assume they were only talking about, you know, rural farmlands or 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 ranches. We're also talking about, you know, infill lots um, in suburban in metropolitan areas. Um, where there's a great deal of upside. And why I think this is a great opportunity is there are a lot less people who are interested or knowledgeable about of this space. So there's an opportunity there for us as well. And you know, with that, I kind of want to test a couple of my assumptions of how your growth has gone from last year into this year. And you're talking about working with fewer but more valuable lots. My first assumption when I hear that is, you know, does that mean you're moving more into metropolitan areas with your land purchases? Are you heading closer into cities, more dense suburbs? Yes. Um, I'm actually buying five acres right in Daytona Beach, 10 minutes from the beach right now on Tuesday of next week. So yes, the land has gotten way more expensive. But here's what's really cool is like a lot of people stay in me personally. I was afraid because like, where do I find the money? Because banks aren't lending for this. And that, that's an opportunity itself because the sellers have to sell it for cheap or they have to be the bank for me. And then on the other side of the coin is I get to become the bank for people and really mark my price. But the reason why I feared going towards the metropolitan areas, like you just asked Rory, is like, man, that stuff's expensive. How do I come up with hundreds of thousands of dollars? Well, people are like, people are starting to see what I'm doing by like I, every day I share a video on TikTok. So people are getting excited to invest their money with me. Like my, my in-laws have invested tons of money with me at 9% interest. And heck, I didn't even know they had money. Like it was money that they took 
out of the stock market, money they had sitting in their safe at home getting raped by inflation. Look at it. If you have a hundred grand sitting under your mattress or in your bank account getting no interest, like you're pretty much losing over seven grand a year in inflation. It's like it's like little rats are just eating away at your your cash. So I've had friends and family members and neighbors get excited to invest money with me and earn anywhere from nine to twelve percent interest secured by that land. It's never going to go anywhere. It might go underwater. It might catch on fire. Someone might dig up the dirt and try and steal it, but there's more dirt underneath it. And I'm buying this stuff at like less than 60 cents on the dollar. So that one in Daytona Beach, like we're getting it at like 50 cents on the dollar. Buying these properties, you're dealing with sellers of of kind of, you know, more unconventional asset. I would imagine if you were to approach somebody who is selling the condo that they that was their primary residence and you try to present this kind of creative transaction it's going to be looked at funny and it's going to if you're successful at all it's going to take a ton of convincing and educating but i imagine the sellers you're dealing with these investors of land are at least more open minded to you know unconventional um, sale transactions yeah when you're dealing with someone where they live where they've placed their head at night or they still have their head being placed there at night or they raised their family, there's so much more emotional about it because you know we're all told unless you're reading rich Dad Poor Dad, our homes are our biggest investment, your house is your biggest investment you'll ever make in your entire life. What do investments do? They go up in value, right? So if they lived there for twenty years and raised all three of their children and have never cleaned the carpet or painted the walls. They still expect that investment to rise. And the only way that you're going to get that subject to existing financing deal where they have like a 3.5% interest rate um, or give you a smoking hot cash deal because it's paid off is they've got to be extremely motivated. Land sellers, they don't have to be extremely motivated. Most of the time they're just aggravated because they owe back taxes on it or they have never stepped foot on it. They've been paying those taxes for 20 years or they inherited it, they live out of state, Uncle Bob left it to them, and they can't stand Uncle Bob, so screw it, let's just sell it for half the price that it's worth. Like, they're not not educated, they're just unattached. Yeah. It seems like people that have the land, they maybe they had a big idea as to what they wanted to do with the land, if they indeed bought it themselves, uh, and it didn't fall into their lap, and they just kind of never got there. So you are providing that solution for an out, you know, you're creating, you're solving their problem by buying it. That's right. Yeah. Life happened for them. You know, like I bought some land from a couple in Colorado. Actually, it was just a husband. Him and his wife drove through there 20 years ago. They said, honey, this would be a beautiful place to have a second home, second vacation home. And they held on to it for 20 years and then they had babies and then they paid for those babies' colleges. And now they're about to start paying for the grandchildren's colleges And it's just life just kept happening for them. And then, you know, she passed away and he's like, I'm never going to go to Colorado. I just want to get, get rid of this. Yeah. Let's talk about the, the money element of this. You did kind of touch upon it there, but banks, traditional banks are probably not going to lend for land, right? Most of the time. Absolutely not. Right. So if you're listening to this, thinking about getting into it, you know, the creative financing and private money, that's the way you're going to be able to get these deals done. Either you have the cash sitting under your mattress or you have some of the cash and you can work out a deal with the owner. That's how the land sale is going to be. I mean, in our case, it was inexpensive, the land that we purchased. You know, we bought a $26,500 lot and then a $7,000 lot 
We happen to have the money or the means for the money for both those. So I didn't have to ask a bank or at least ask this question, you know, but back then I probably didn't even realize that I couldn't get the land financed. The other side of the financial equation I want to talk about, because we've talked a lot about cost segregation studies in on this, on this podcast and, you know, you can't depreciate land, obviously. Talk about some tax strategies, if indeed there are any with acquiring land. Yeah. Before I do that, Jason, can I talk to the listener that might say, well, crap, I can't do this because I don't have money or I don't have time. That was me when I got started in 2016, that first land deal for $285. I'm embarrassed to say it, but I didn't have the money either. Like I had to like have a buyer lined up because I was like, I can't get stuck with this land. If I leave $285 into this land, I might not be able to afford diapers next week. It was, that's how it was. But you don't need money to buy real estate. You do not need money to become a multimillionaire in real estate investing. So my third land deal was from a bank. It was for 25,000. I didn't have 25,000. I only had the five grand from that, that property. I, I, that parcel of land, I flipped to the realtor, that first land deal I did, bought it for 285, sold it for five grand, but I didn't have 25,000. And I went under contract with this bank that was, they actually weren't paying the back taxes. So they were <laughs> close to losing it to a tax lien investor that someone that was paying those taxes to the county and banks. Like, how could this ever happen to a bank? What's well, called pancake. When they get so many files, one gets down there and you never, like as you're adding pancakes to the stack, you never get to that bottom pancake. And I learned that from my one of my mentors, Matt Rallera, that worked in the banking industry. Then he went to the to the legal side. So basically they told me like, look, we'll sell you the land for 25,000. It was worth over a hundred. I didn't have 25 grand. It was almost like me coming up with a million dollars at that time. And I didn't know where to find it. So I didn't sleep that Friday night that I went under contract. That Saturday morning, I went out and put signs everywhere. 44 acres, cash only, 38K. I had it under contract for 25 grand. I put out 33 bandit signs that said that. 44 acres. This is right next to Schriever Air Force Base in Colorado Springs, by the way. Back in 2000, early 2017 at this point. And I found a buyer that day that we shook hands on the side of the road. I made a $13,000 assignment fee and I took my purchase agreement that I had with the bank and I sold it to this Texan that had just sold his ranch in, in Texas. This guy was like 50, 59, 60 years old. He had no clue what assignment of contract was. I barely did, but someone told me, you can just sell your contract and the title company handled everything. I walked away with 13,000 cash in my pocket, or I shouldn't say cash, a certified check. Right. That's great. Let's talk about the taxes then. All right. So, you know, where does this factor into the tax strategies that a lot of people are following uh, so religiously these days? Yeah. You're talking to the guy that got hit with a $139,000 tax bill 2021 because there's no tax, like there's no tax shelter for land. It's, it's basically every dollar I made, I paid 32 cents to the IRS and then got hit with a fine because I didn't pay it off right, right away. So... I've learned one hire a very good CPA that understands cost segregation that you just mentioned, Jason, because houses and buildings and commercial buildings, we can write off, basically depreciate that building. I bought an office building, started picking up random rentals. I flipped a few houses as well. Um, I flipped a house about a year ago that we renovated. I had a contractor. So I took land, land profits and I was like feeding my ego and we found out about this house. 
from one of our land sellers. So I bought the house too. We renovated it. We fixed it up to the T. Well, it was a soldier that bought it in the military in Colorado Springs. And he said, uh, he, he messaged me about a year later and he wasn't happy with the house. There was some problems, a lot of problems. And I was like, man, I had a really good contractor that was licensed, insured and bonded. That was a beautiful house. Like send me a list, like tell me all the things that went wrong. And I started noticing he had some buyer's remorse. He was prepared to go to his next duty station if he would have sold that house. And this is right now, happening right now. Um, if he would have sold that house, he would have lost so much money in paying a realtor. So May 1st of this month, I bought that house back subject to existing financing that you just mentioned for exactly what he owes on the mortgage. He's got a 3.8% interest rate. I'm going to make maybe a couple hundred dollars a month uh, renting it out net, but you know, things always break. So really I, I won't be net positive on it. I already rented it out to my accountant's daughter. That house is going to save me at least $20,000 in taxes for 2023. Yeah. So it sounds like the key is combining the land sales with other real estate investing. If you're purchasing offices and flipping houses and and purchasing assets that can be depreciated and bonus depreciated in the environment that we're in, is that kind of the one-two punch that you're recommending? Well, yeah. My, my first recommendation is make money first. And once you figure that out, keep more of the money you make. And, you know, as we as we grow in income, our expenses increase. So there's so many things we can talk about. But yes, I everything you said except for flipping houses. I don't flip houses anymore. All right. All right. <laughs> no more flipping houses. We've moved on from that. Um so so Rory, this is this is all a very uh present and relevant conversation to what we were talking about yesterday. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Just looking around to see creative ways. And you know, I was talking about kind of the metropolitan areas because you know, we're, we're located in Boston and, you know, a lot of people ha- don't have a ton of imagination and to some degree, myself included, about investing in other parts of the country. We kind of know what we know. We know it's in our own backyard. But what I want to say to people who are similarly located is that this is something that exists here too. This is something that exists um, in our suburbs. This is something that exists, you know, certainly within a two-hour drive um, from the heart of the city. One other angle that I wanted to talk to you about here with the... Um, with the land properties is just how to, you know, pitch this to sellers that are, that you're, you're purchasing it from. Um, you know, we're talking about the tax um, advantages for you um, in purchasing and investing in this, but there are some tax opportunities for the seller of the land, particularly if they're otherwise would face a lump sum capital gain on their land. Remember, they weren't able to depreciate it. They can't, they don't have a ton of tax benefits themselves um, as long-time holders of the land. So if they're facing um, a long-term capital gain, there are some advantages to sell to somebody when the deal is structured so that it would pay them over time. Is that right? I don't want to go into details and give hard tax advice to, to listeners, but um, that's part of the pitch, I think, to the sellers. Yeah. If it's completely unimproved, I mean, there's not even a culvert on the land. The IRS allows them to break up their profit over 30 years or however long you make payments to that seller. And it's only realized profit that year. Um, plus it's like most of the time these sellers don't need 30 or $40,000 up front because they have no clue what they're going to do with it. Sometimes it's only like, I need eight grand to pay for tuition for one of my grandchildren. So yeah. just be there ready to hear what your seller needs and figure out a way to come up with a sleuth. Cause really we're just problem solvers. And it's not even a problem. It's just a challenge. We just got to figure out a way to do it. 
We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alex Brayshaw. Join me as I celebrate the positive impact of business and what drives the people behind it. It's a chance to hear from business leaders, emerging sectors and industry influencers about their unfinished business in just 25 minutes. So talk a little bit about the students that have inquired in the past year or so. So new people that you're working with, with the Landsharks program, um, you know, what are, what are some of the questions they're asking that maybe you hadn't heard in the past? Or what is the type of new student who's coming your way that maybe was a little bit different from the people that you started working with a couple of years ago? Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, like they, a lot of the, my sharks, like they get past the point of assigning their contracts because, you know, they make four, five, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 doing it. Now it's like, Brent, I want to buy this stuff and I want to sell or finance it. Where do I find the money for that? And, you know, we, we walk through that every single week on the support calls, where to find money because it's, it's everywhere. Like I, right now, um, I'm personally looking for more capital to do land deals. I'm buying seven land deals in the next seven days. And here's the thing, like it's a several hundred thousand dollars worth of land that I'm getting great deals on it, bit less than 50 cents on the dollar, but everybody runs out of money or I, I run out of money, maybe not everybody. So I'm partnering with lenders. I'm partnering with, with lending partners. So that was one of the, that's one of the main questions I feel like so many people ask. Because it's not a, it's not a matter of where can I find the land deals? They're everywhere. Now it's like, where do I find the money? Even though that's everywhere, most people are, have a, have a hard time with that. And I used to as well. Like, I felt like I was like begging. No, like my personal assistant, my executive assistant, Kelly, she's going to make like $5,500 this year in interest lending to her boss. Like, I don't, I don't think of myself as her boss. Like I'm li- she's literally my partner because she's my executive assistant. Uh-huh. But like, she's ecstatic about it. And I'm ecstatic. Like she just extended one of her loans. We're paying her 1% on that amount. Like she's making money. Wow. Spoken a lot about private capital on this podcast since you were last on. So when you're looking for financing, are those the types of people you're going to? I'm talking to friends. I go to the gym at nine o'clock in the morning for a reason, because that's when the old retired rich guys are working out. And they ask, what are you doing? Like, you're so fit and you're so good. No, I'm just kidding. They don't say that. But they're like, <laughs> so, like a lot of times they ask me what I'm up to. Like, even though I got my headphones on and we, we become friends and like, I've worked with people from my gym, like one of my uh, next lenders, he's in Puerto Rico right now. You know, if you golf, yeah. go golf on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday. Cause the guys out there golfing, like they aren't worried about money on no. a Tuesday afternoon. That's a great strategy. It's it's like if you're looking for a contractor, you know, walk around Home Depot or Lowe's at like seven in the morning and, you know, you'll find some people and look at the, the vans that are outside. You know, I don't go to the gym as religiously as you do, uh, unfortunately, but, you know, when I do go, I also tend to go in the middle of the day because it's not as crowded, right? But I thought differently of the people there. I'm like, who are these people that are at the gym in the middle of the day? But you just answered that question. Don't you people work? <laughs> Yeah, and they're probably looking at me and say, don't you work? What are you doing here right now? We've spoken with some people that are running funds, you know, that are looking for syndication deals. You know, they're doing apartment complexes and they're vetting developers that have deals and they're bringing those to, you know, their audience of folks that are looking for passive income deals. Are those also the kind of people that could be financing land deals? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've paid hard money lenders before. Um, I haven't created a fund. Um, mostly because that seems like it'd be a job. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Those guys that put into funds. I mean, I personally have invested into funds. Like I got a 19 unit apartment complex. Like I'm not the man on that deal. Like I just put some money into it. Yeah. Two more things I want to talk about. One is time freedom, because part of why you're doing this is for the time freedom, you know, in pivoting your strategy a bit towards some, you know, fewer, bigger deals that's allowing you some more time freedom. Clearly you're, I mean, you're literally going to go sit on the beach for a little bit, but right. you know, you're my mind because I'll be so bored for six weeks. Well, <laughs> right. Cause you're a hustler. I mean, you're doing seven deals in seven days, right? That's kind of like in your DNA now, but talk about the time freedom that this gives you, or if, if the shift in the past year has been a result of you wanting a little bit more of your time back. That's the main thing is like, I was running from a problem in 2016 that was to get out of the military because like my first marriage failed because I was gone for almost like three out of four years with the military basic training, uh, AIT, uh, training for that first combat deployment, doing that one year deployment and then coming back for one year and then deploying again. Like that was, I couldn't sustain that life. And then I met another beautiful woman, like Emily's my wife. And like, we start having babies and now there's the babies involved. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm scared to death. History is going to repeat itself. So I found land investing to provide that passive income to allow me to quit that job. And then here's the thing, Parkinson's law happens. The task will expand with the time you give it. So what happened? I, I scaled, I had almost 15 team members and then I was freaking out, losing my mind. Once again, history is repeating itself. Like I'm addicted to work. I'm working like 14 hours a day now. My wife's like, you didn't promise me this. Right. So I had to compress back. We rented out the office, like basically went lean, less, less things. I reported all my credit cards and debit cards lost so I can cancel all those phantom charges. I had six DocuSign logins, um, all these Adobe accounts of people that didn't even work with me anymore. So I've got the time freedom back again. That's why we took off in March. That's why we're taking off at the end of June. And cause I created myself another job, but I, I really wanted a business that served me. And that's why land investing gives me the time freedom because you can do that. You can compress again because, you know, as income grows, our expenses grow and so does our time involved. It's an interesting uh, inflection point that you reached. You know, you're scaling, you're working hard uh, as a lot of us are doing. And then you reach that point where you're like, I need to pull back on everything. <laughs> and and I think that's a natural human behavior because you you layer one thing on top of the other and it's creep of Five minutes here, 10 minutes there, a $60 recurring charge here, or a $10 recurring charge here. Next thing you know, you know, thousands of dollars of subscriptions across multiple businesses, and you have no time for anything because you've committed yourself to lots of these different types of things. Um, so it's, I'm glad you've identified that. And I think that a lot of people, uh, as they're scaling their businesses, they're going to have that moment to sit back and say, whoa, wait a second. What, what have I created around me? Like, I need less of this. Uh, um. I want to dovetail into the question about veterans because you are a veteran yourself. Uh, and one thing that, you know, you apparently like doing, which uh, I give you lots of credit for, is working with veterans uh, and teaching them, you know, the things that you've learned on how to generate monthly passive income. Like, tell us what you're doing these days uh, with some of your veteran clients and partners. Yeah, we have a lot of veterans, active military that are in the shark. Like, they're they're in the shark community. They're in the land sharks. And they're crushing it. Like they're absolutely crushing it. And 
what I love about it is like a lot of veterans getting out of the military, they'll wait to be done with the military before they start building their next career. But if I can show you a way to get that six or $7,000 a month in passive income before you leave the military, you don't have to do anything else out after the military. So it's been a great, been a fun time. We've talked about the overlap. Uh, you know, I mentioned that I left my job last year, uh, but fortunately we had been doing short-term rentals for years. So it wasn't like an abrupt, you know, cut point. It was a transition. And I think that's key for a lot of people that are looking to leave the military, leave their job, leave whatever situation they're in right now, start the second thing now, right? Like have there be overlap figure out how to work at nighttime or learn this day or you know don't just have an immediate break point because it's going to be tough for a lot of different reasons it might be tough to get financing it might be tough to have credibility with banks and other people that you're you know suddenly you've left this situation and now I think I want to do that if there's some overlap of a couple of years you know you can prove that you've been doing this thing if you're in the military but you also have kind of a little portfolio of one or two properties you've done a couple of land deals then when you retire from the military, you're not just out there figuring out what you want to do next. You know, when you leave your job, if it's a non-military job, you're not just saying, I want to go try this. You know, you've already been doing it for a couple of years. So people, people that are listening to this or you have a vision to leave the situation you're in right now, try to build a six-month, 12-month, 24-month plan and, and begin that today, you know, to move to that next step. Yeah, start taking small steps today. Yeah. Rory, we've already asked our final three questions uh, of Brent, uh, but I, I think we should wrap it up somehow, you know, with with one final question that we probably, you know, have not asked him or asked other guests. But before we ask that question, Rory, do you have anything else that you want to throw out there? I just find this kind of so interesting because it's opening up, you know, I've been doing real estate now for what, 12 years, and I've I'm learning something new every time, um, new opportunities, new um, new ways of thinking about things. Um, and I know five years from now, there'll be something else um, that you know meets the needs of that time. So I just want to thank you for you know opening, understanding of what's possible in the space um, and expanding our own knowledge and focus in here, in it. In yeah. It. Thank you, gentlemen. We normally ask, the second of our final questions is tell us something that happened early in your life or career that impacts the way that you're working today. But I'm going to actually vary that question. I'm going to say, Brent, tell us something that's happened since we last spoke, since a year ago, that is impacting the way that you're working today. I started, you know, realizing like, I don't have to work for work's sake, just like Tim Ferriss talks about, like more is not, more is not better more time, more money, more toys, more sex, more food, more candy, more ice cream. Like it's just about being happy with what you got and taking the time that God's given you to be, to be here. So uh, I've been out of balance for a while, you know, with, with physical, with mental, with spiritual, with family, with work. So it's just trying to rebalance and, you know, content, like it talks about in the Bible. Yeah. I might disagree about the ice cream comment there. More <laughs> ice cream is always a good thing. Hey, Brent, where can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about you, work with your coaching programs, make lots of money doing land deals alongside you? Yeah, go to thelandsharks.com right now. Schedule a call. Fill out that form. You know, if you're one foot out, one foot in, one foot out, don't even fill out the form. Like I can only take three to five people a month into the Sharks course. Uh, so I'm looking to work with people that want to change their lives. And if you want to watch some videos and learn more about land investing, go to TikTok, Brent L. Bowers 1. I do a TikTok every day talking about how to make money in land. 
Yeah. And he, he's not dancing on his TikToks. It's legitimate information. <laughs> no dancing. No dancing. One time. Just once. Only once. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Rory, are you dancing on TikTok? Um, never. That will, that will not happen. No. No. Uh, where can people find you? Um, you can find me not on TikTok, but you can find me here in my office, uh, Next Home Title Town. That's nexthometitletown.com or through my law practice, Urban Village Legal. That's urbanvillagelegal.com. Yeah, we're going to have to get on TikTok. We're not there yet, Brent. So you'll be our coach for TikTok and for buying land. Just I, record. Just hit the record button. Don't put the content hat on and then my work hat. Just record your work and then there's your content. There's the content. Uh, that, that, that is great advice. Brent, you're full of great advice. This is why we love having you back on the podcast. Um, if you want to be on this podcast or you have questions for us or for me or for Brent, uh, you can reach me, Jason, at nexthometitletown.com uh, or drop us a comment anywhere that you are listening or watching this and we will respond to that. That's it. Brent, it's been a pleasure. It's great seeing you again. Uh, you know, Wishing you continued success uh, in your journey, your life journey, your professional journey. And uh, we will continue having you back on the podcast. You're a beacon of light and you're lots of great information. God bless, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures. And law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by Next Home Title Town, Greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts Real Estate Council, serving savvy property owners, lenders, and investors. More at urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.